can have a seat. You know, uh, one thing that I just sensed while we were singing that song, and I don't know if it's for somebody in here, but I just sensed that maybe uh, one of the things that the Lord wanted you to be free to do is to just be you. And I don't know if that rings a bell with anybody, but I just kept sensing that in my spirit that maybe that's for somebody in here is that you you just need permission from the Lord to just be you and have freedom from the expectations of whoever has placed on you. You know, sometimes we do things because we feel like that's what our parents want or our friends want or this person wants or and then you f- you're just in bondage because you're living according to somebody else's desires and not your own. And so if that's you this morning, if you're kind of stuck there, know that the Lord is just wanting to free you to, to just be you. You have permission to do that. You'll be happier. That's a one. Um, a few weeks ago, there's always an ongoing joke. Um, I get a little excited, if you haven't noticed, um, about lots of things, actually. Um, and I, I'm pretty... Uh, expressive worshiper and those things. So we kind of have an ongoing joke, you know, like if you want to invite your friends, just let me know so I can tone it down. You know, I don't want to scare anybody away. And so like, it's always this ongoing joke, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, somebody just looked at me and they said, you know, just be you. And, you know, we always jokingly say, you know, it's, it's never like a real serious thing. It's always a fun ha ha thing. But I thought, I appreciate that. I appreciate that word. Because sometimes we just need somebody to say, hey, just be who you are. Like, you might be the craziest person I know, but that's who you are. So don't tone it down for anybody. You know what I mean? Amen? So let your crazy out. Whatever. All right. Now, speaking of being wild and crazy, I am so fired up about this message. This has been burning in my heart for months. Uh, And so I'm hoping that this is contagious. Uh, that this is something that puts a fire in you also. Um, and I just really feel like it's from the Lord. So what I want to do first is I just want, I just want to pray over us. If you'll just put your hand over your heart. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare every heart to be open. Lord, we just command, uh, any distraction to be gone from every mind, every heart, every spirit in Jesus' name. Lord, we just loose your Holy Spirit in all its fullness to just Quicken our spirits, Lord. Awaken our spirits. Awaken the dreams that you've put inside of us. uh, And may we be able to just respond to what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Pastor Marek was here from Poland with us. When was that? November. And uh, we we took him out for a steak dinner and uh, had a meeting just kind of about... What, what our trip was going to look like, what's going on. We're just talking, right? We're talking about just things and people and different, different stuff. And, and he, says, he says something that he notices about somebody that you probably don't even know. But he says, you know, I just told him, you're always dreaming about this. But you never do anything about it. 
So it's just staying a dream. You tell me you have this vision. You tell me you have this dream year after year, but you never do anything about it. So it's only a dream. So start something. Step out. Begin to turn that, re- that, that dream into a reality. Do something. Have faith, my brother. You know how Mark speaks. I wish I had the Polish accent and everything. And we were sitting at Texas Roadhouse. I could point out the booth, and I'm just sitting, and I'm like staring at him, and something inside of me is on fire. You know when somebody's not speaking to you, but they are speaking to you? We got in the car, and I was like, John, that was a good word. And he knew exactly what I was talking about. I mean, we talked about every, we were there for an, over an hour with him. We talk, that was all he said, this one sentence. And I got in the car, and I told John, that was a good word. And he said, yeah, it was. And so I knew, we both knew exactly what was happening. And you know, that word is coming from a man who absolutely lives that out. I mean, if you hang around with Marek, you are challenged to do something. Okay, because Marek, if he gets it in his heart, if he has a dream to build a convention center, well, he's just going to go see about this hotel that the mafia owns. And, uh, oh, we just got that for really cheap, so we're just going to remodel it, and we're just going to turn it into this thing. And now it's like this amazing functioning thing that's reaching into all the cities in Poland, and it's kind of a hub for pastors. It's a retreat center. It's something amazing. That would have never happened if Mark wouldn't have just taken one step to make that a reality. The children's feeding program. He said, hey, let's just feed some kids. Let's just try it out. And so they did it. Hey, there's people that need bread in our city. Let's see if we can get some bread donated. We're just going to start it and see what happens. And they deliver bread to people with a huge long line and zero degrees. Every day at lunch, they have people come and eat soup and bread in their church building because he put action to a dream. Now, Mark is also someone who would absolutely tell you he's had some dreams and he's tried it and some of it didn't work out, so he had to change the way he did it. But uh, I think coming from this man, that word was extra powerful because I know he lives a life that backs up everything he just said, that he has experience uh, with this. And I just knew, sitting at that table at Texas Roadhouse, that that was a word for our church. I think it's a word for us personally, and I think it's a word for us corporately. And so I feel like this year we're going to say we're going to be people of action. We're going to do something, church. We're not going to talk about doing things. We're going to do something. And that's kind of part of our healing rooms thing that we're going to do this this Tuesday. Instead of just talking about it like we have for the last three months and saying maybe we should figure out what that's supposed to look like, maybe we should be trained, maybe we should, like, make this... You know, maybe we should have all of our stuff together before we do something. Uh, We're just going to do it because we have got to be people of action. And I don't mean haste. Okay, so please don't don't hear what I'm saying and go be reckless with your dream from the Lord. Don't don't move in haste. But what I'm talking about is when you know that you know that the Lord has planted something in you and you're supposed to carry it out and you are trying to get all your ducks in a line or worried about what it's going to really look like that you don't do anything. That's what I'm talking about. And this year, I believe God is saying, I want you to be people of action. I want you to move. I want you to step out. I want you to try some things. I want you to, to say... All these dreams that we've talked about, all these things in our hearts, I want to do something to see that be alive in my life. And so 
You know, I believe that, that the Lord gives everyone dreams. He created each of us for, for one purpose, for his glory. And to be somebody who brings heaven to other people here on earth. So that, so that when people see us, when they encounter us, they feel like they've encountered heaven. Because we are supposed to be doing everything for God's glory. And I think that he divinely gives us dreams and visions that are usually fueled by our personal passions, our personality, our gifts, our calling. Have you ever noticed that the things that get you the most excited are just like totally who you are? And and that's what makes the church amazing because all of us have different personalities and different gifts and different things. And we come together corporately and put our mind to a dream. It's amazing to watch it unfold. But it's amazing in your personal life too. And so whether whether your personal passion and dream in your heart that's just boiling down there is to see families brought to wholeness, to be the next Billy Graham, to rescue animals, to care for orphans, to run a business, to make music, to travel the world, to serve on PTA, to feed the hungry, to minister in nursing homes, to give people rides to church, to eliminate cancer, whether by prayer, medicine, or science, to to build things, to paint things, to draw things, to create things, to be a politician, a pastor, a parent, a lawyer, a teacher, or an accountant, any of those things we can do bringing glory to God. And all of those things can be dreams that God's put in us. See, because sometimes I think people come to a a service, you hear somebody preaching about purpose and calling and being amazing and, you know, all these things, and you think... But I'm just not like you. I'm just not like a preach the gospel from the microphone type of person. And sometimes I think the church has done itself a disservice by, by categorizing people into like, that's a really big dream. You know, like that's great because I'm going to be an evangelist and pray for people and millions of people are going to get healed in one service. They're going to fall on their face and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Those are, those are fine. But what I'm saying is if in your heart of hearts, In, in just your deepest being, you are passionate about numbers and accounting, and you want to just do that right, and you want to serve a business with everything you have and show Jesus in that office space. And that's a dream from the Lord. I mean, some of you might be stuck in accounting because that's all you know how to do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are passionate, who say, I'm called to this. I'm called to this. It might, you, you might just say, I just, I just want to rock the parenting thing. I am called to be a mom or a dad, and I want to just do it with everything I have. I, you know, maybe it's like, hey, I just know that I am called to be PTA president because I'm going to rock that school. That's my entrance into this school, to be a platform for Jesus in this school. I'm not saying that's a word for anybody, okay? Um, but, but what I'm telling you is, is begin to not brush aside some of the desires and the dreams in your heart because you feel like it's nothing. Because you feel like it's silly. Because you think, really, God, that's like the dream? Because you know what? I can guarantee you that probably everyone who's had a dream somewhere, you always feel crazy. Am I right, anybody? Am I right? Listen, I remember I can tell you details 
I know exactly where I was when I heard the Lord call me to preach. And I was terrified. And you know what? I was like in a big assembly. It wasn't even with my church people. And Lisa Bevere is up standing there and she said, okay, I'm just going to go through this thing. We're doing an impartation service right now. If I call it and you feel that in your spirit, you just stand up. I'm going to pray over you. You're going to get it. And then you sit down. And I was like, whatever. So she goes through all the things, you know. And uh, she said, if you're called to preach God's word, I want you to stand up. And like something overtook me. And you know that feeling and you're like, I either need to throw up or stand up. Like, I don't know if I just got sick instantly or if this is like God doing something. And so like, I I mean, you know, like I'm in mid cities with a bunch of people and I'm like standing, just shaking like this. I was like, okay, I'm going to stand because I'm going to put faith out there. I'm going to just do it, you know? So I was just standing and I received the prayer and I was, I can't even tell you what she prayed. I was just like, I receive it by faith, whatever. I don't care if I receive it or not. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I remembered the very first time that I ever spoke, gave word to the dream. I was sitting right here in a ladies meeting. They were talking about Rahab and they were giving everybody little red cords. And I mean, I was still young. It was probably like my first ladies meeting I'd ever attended. And they wanted to pray over people individually. And they wanted us to share something that God was telling me. And then I, I got that same, like, I'm, I need to throw up feeling because I thought of that meeting and standing up. And I remember being so terrified thinking the ladies are going to laugh me out of the church when I share that I'm, that I'm, that I, I feel called to preach. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being totally honest. And I'm, I, I felt like I was supposed to share some of these stories because you guys are feeling the same way about whatever God is telling you. And I shared it, and they didn't laugh me out of the church. They prayed for me and whatever. And I was like, whew, that wasn't terrible. And I don't even remember the first time I preached. It was probably pretty bad. But uh, I don't know. Uh, but... But then it just happened, I don't know, my, and here I am today, and I'm not terrified most of the time. And so that's an example of God putting a dream and calling you to something that you think, this is totally nuts. Why would you ever do that for me? Now, I know some of you are going to come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, we always knew you were called to preach, or you, I can't believe that you were nervous about that, or whatever. But here's the thing. When God puts something fresh in your heart that you've never has never been on your grid and plants the dream and the passion, you're like, whoa, I don't know about any of this. Okay? But he does it, and you can do it for his glory, no matter what it is, whether it's something big or whether it's something small but let's not categorize our dreams by size please because i think if god's called you to it it's absolutely fabulous and great no matter what so i'm not going to call your dreams big and small but i wanted to throw that out there if you're just going well it's just like this little thing but if god is calling you to it it's great so give your life to it so you know why don't we do these things why don't we why don't we just jump in and go for it and do all these things that the lord is calling us to Why is it that we lack action, that we just plan forever, or that we just tuck it away and never say anything to anybody? And we do this with our deepest dreams and passions. What's going on? And I, I believe it's because life just happens. I believe our circumstances kill it sometimes. Or we get excited and we force it. And we try to control the dream and interpret what it's supposed to look like and it ends up not so good. Or we've shared it and somebody was like, whatever. And somebody has shot you down like the reaction wasn't what you were expecting. 
or because we're afraid that if we really step out, that we could fail and that maybe it wasn't him after all. And so I want us to dive into some scripture and uh, I'm going to pull it all together with an application. So just hang with me for a little bit because it might seem random for a little while, but I promise you it's not. Okay, so first we are going to go to Genesis 15. We're going to look at Abraham. Some of you might be familiar with this. If you're not and you're doing the church Bible reading, you will read it in the next week. All right, so we're going to be Genesis 15, verse 1 is where we're going to start. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. And then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. So you see the birth of a dream here. The Lord is speaking with with Abram, and he says, I have no children. So you hear, number one, there's a desire there. I I have no kids. But then the Lord gives him this, he he confirms this dream saying, no, this is, you will have a son. You you will have descendants. In fact, I'm going to birth nations out of you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have, you're going to have a son. And Abraham believes what the Lord says. So he takes that and he's like, bam, I got, I got that word. I'm going to be a father. This is going to be great. All right? So he hangs on to that, I assume. But let's turn over to 16, verse 1. Because, you know, some time's passed since he had that, you know, and he's still not a dad yet. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai told Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children, so go ahead and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed to Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham, Abram as his wife. Okay? And, and so, in other words, like... Hey, this doesn't appear to be working, so let's just do it our own way. So here's my servant. You can go ahead, just take her as your wife, and she can bear children, and then you'll have a son like God said. And in fact, she does have a son. Ishmael is born. Let's uh, go to 17. This is really condensed. You should read all of this. The story's fabulous. Uh, We're going to do verse 15. Now, Ishmael has been born. That's Hagar's son. And then there, that just causes a lot of riffraff between these two ladies. I mean, can you imagine? Like women, woo! They're, 
they're catty to each other. It just did not end well. I mean, I'm like thinking, Sarah, that was your plan. Now you're being all rude and nasty to, to Hagar. But like, you're the one who said, let's just do it this way. I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to be that. I mean, just think about this. So Hagar, Hagar runs away. God finds her. He tells her to go back and submit to her, sir, you know, to her master. And okay, so here we are. In 17, verse 15, then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. For now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And then Abraham bowed down to the ground. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, here it is again, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no, no, here is my plan for your dream. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you and you will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. And then he says, look, I'll bless Ishmael because you asked me to. But like when I said you were going to be a father of many nations, I meant through Sarah and I meant it was Isaac. And now you've gone over here and done your own thing and you've had a son and I'll do something with him, too. But but here's what my plan was for you. If you would have just hung in there. You would have seen. And, you know, there's times when. The Lord places that dream in us and we get a little impatient. Or perhaps you're just a little on the controlling side, you know, if that's just kind of your nature. And so you just want just to know what that's going to look like. And you just need the play-by-play ahead of time before you do anything, you know, because you got to know. And then if God said this to me last week, then clearly it's been seven days and he has not done anything yet. So what in the world is he dragging his feet on? You know what I'm saying? Does anybody else feel this way sometimes? I mean, it's been seven whole days since you spoke to me, Lord. And like, hello, I am still here. I'm waiting, dreaming, ready to go. Um, But sometimes the Lord puts a dream in your heart that you hang on to. Uh, And so the year of action, let's not create Ishmael's this year. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about stepping out when it's the right time to step out and being obedient, not Stepping out and forcing something to happen and creating Ishmael and issues and problems so then you can still wait for the real dream. I, I was trying to think of an example and the one that kept on coming to me is actually John's. <laughs> Our paybacks are awesome. You know, I've been teaching kids. I don't even know what he's been saying about me, except for some of you are like, oh, man, John talked about you in his message today. So here it is. All right. Now, John had this beautiful little plan in his mind when he graduated from high school that he was going to go to college. And by a certain age, he was going to be married. He was going to be married. And and I'm not telling you anything that he probably hasn't already told you. But John really tried to get married a lot of times. Well, like twice before me. Because he had the plan, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm called to ministry. I'm going to have an awesome wife to do this. And so he tried to replace me. Clearly the most awesome dream come true. (laughs) 
with two other ladies. <laughs> All right. And that created a lot of heartache in his life. And, you know, God was probably like, dude, she's only 12. You're going to have to wait a little bit, okay? Sometimes you, you just think you know what the Lord has for you, and you're like, oh, she was nine years old and younger than me. I see why I couldn't get married when I was 20, because she was only 12, you know? Uh, so here's the thing. I'm glad we can laugh. Everybody having a good time this morning? But here's the thing. Thankfully, John didn't force a marriage to happen because he really did hear the Lord. And you know what? He was chasing after godly women who had, you know, good qualities, I'm sure. Sort of. I mean, you know, maybe as good looking as me. But, (laughs) sorry. We'll move on from this one real soon and get serious again. But here's the thing. When you, when you try to force things to happen, you cause a lot of heartache. You cause a lot of things that don't need to happen in your life. You make ties with people that you don't need ties with. You make, you know, just all kinds of things. When the Lord is saying, hey, that is a dream for me in your heart. And I have, I have it all lined out. I, I know. I know when it's happening. I, just trust me and we'll get there. So Abraham, let's go look at Joseph, Genesis 37. Joseph's a cool guy. You should read his story in the Bible all the way through. Now, Joseph has some literal dreams. You guys are going to love this. Anybody the baby of the family here? Just get ready for this story, okay? Genesis 37, verse 5, we're going to pick up. Okay, now I should note that before this, um, Joseph has all these older brothers, and he's the favorite, clearly. And his father has just given him this amazingly beautiful, colorful coat for his birthday that nobody else got except for the favorite baby, Joseph, okay? So you can understand the brother's resentment here in just a minute, knowing that ahead of time. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and all of your bundles gathered all around and bowed down low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. And soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Didn't learn the first time. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time he told his dream to his father as well as his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what these dreams meant okay now sometimes you have a dream whether that's just something in your heart that you know you're called to do that's kind of what i'm talking about like like you just know you're called to do something be something whatever it is 
and you share it, maybe prematurely, in your excitement, and the people that you share it with are not, like, as excited about it as you are. You know, now, Joseph shared it with his brothers, and you totally get where his brothers are coming from, you know, because they're like, dude, like, enough already. Like, we're done with you, little favorite boy. But then he shares it with his father, the one who cherishes him and loves him and thinks he's the best thing ever. And even his father scolds him and says, Joseph, look, do you, do you really think, I mean, like, like, step back and think about this. I mean, do you really think that that would happen? And this is like the, the man who affirms him. So it's not just the brothers who hate him. His dad's even in on this, like, going, I don't know about all this. And sometimes when you do that, you share that dream, and you get kind of a negative reaction. You think, oh, maybe that, maybe that was wrong. Maybe that just wasn't, oh, maybe that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> he, that, that wasn't received well. You know, has that ever happened? I'll give you an example from my life. We had a nine-month period where we didn't have an official senior pastor, where, where Gary and John were just kind of going back and forth after John's dad had left. And we weren't really sure who, who the senior pastor was going to be, if it was going to be one of them or if they were going to bring in somebody else. And uh, I, I, felt, I felt in my heart that the Lord said, you and John are supposed to pastor this church. Now, I wasn't, I'm like not, I didn't tell the council or anything that, you know, like I'll just let that thing ride out, you know, and that was kind of a questionable situation. That might have been like telling the brothers, no, not really. But I did share it with somebody who I absolutely loved and trusted. And, And it was kind of a casual sharing And she looked at me and she said, if you and John become the pastors of this church, we will never follow you. That would be too much. We could never serve you. And it was like, okay, now I know where that one stands. And so then I was kind of like, maybe that wasn't the Lord and maybe I shouldn't have opened my mouth on that one. But it kind of killed something, you know, like it just kind of puts a damp cloth on it like, ooh. I was looking for somebody to say, I think that might be right. I think you'd be awesome. And instead it was like, that, that ain't going to work for me. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, sometimes that prevents us from living out our callings or our dreams if we share something maybe it's just the wrong time uh, because i can tell you that those people ended up not having that attitude by the time that it came and 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 it's been beautiful but but sharing that prematurely with somebody really was like a killjoy you know (laughs) whoa that was a downer And sometimes there's things in your heart that you've shared with people that have been, you've had a negative reaction. 
And so you just think, I'll just tuck that away and maybe that's just not going to happen. When the Lord is saying, no, that's for me. That's for me. Now, Joseph, you know, ultimately he was sold into slavery. I mean, he just went down, 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 down till he's in the prison. And one day, and one day he's moved to the palace. And his brothers come and bow down before him, not knowing it's him. And that dream is ultimately fulfilled. And the calling on Joseph's life is fulfilled. But the initial sharing of it was like, whoo, not accepted. And so sometimes we have to, number one, be wise in what we're sharing. But number two, when people react badly, if they're not God, then you don't give that reaction weight to dictate your future. If this is a dream from God, and God's not the one laughing or saying, I I could never see that happening, then it doesn't need to carry weight in your heart and dictate your future and how you interpret that dream. So hang on to it. Let's go to John 11. And we're going to start in verse uh, let's see now we're going to start at verse 11 now what's happened Jesus is uh, here with his disciples and Mary and Martha have sent word to him saying Lazarus is very sick Lazarus is their brother and a dear friend of Jesus so they're saying he's very sick let's come you know can you come and pray for him and so what does Jesus do He stays where he's at for two more days. All right? So let's pick up in verse 11. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant that Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus had meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. All right, so they pack up and they start heading there. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes who lives in me, lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary, and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were in the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up in him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? And so they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Isn't that a cool story? I like that story. You know, some of you have had dreams and callings and passions that the Lord has put inside of you, and when he didn't show up in a timely manner, they died. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You feel like your dreams and your callings and all the things that once were exciting in your heart are dead. And I just feel like this morning that the Lord is saying they're not dead. They're only asleep. And I feel like he's saying, I want to call those things awake, which have gone to sleep. I want to breathe life back into those dreams. Maybe it's your, your circumstances of life. Maybe it's just like you're disappointed in the Lord because of the circumstances of life and feel like he hasn't shown up. I mean, did you catch both Mary and Martha said the, th- the same thing? Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have come when we asked you to, he wouldn't have died. And I think there's sometimes that we come to the Lord and say, God, if you would have done it, if you would have showed up, if you would have answered my prayer, then all of that stuff in me wouldn't have died. (coughs) My personal example would be, I've always felt called to bring healing to people. I'm going to get a drink real quick. I've always felt called to bring healing to people, physical, emotional, whatever. And I was excited about that for a while until like the year 2010 when everyone we prayed for died or got worse. And then I was like, just kidding. I mean, I'll I'll just be honest. I mean, that's a year we contended for my mother-in-law's healing. We felt like we had words from the Lord. We prayed We prayed, we worshiped, we fasted, we corporately did this. You know what I'm saying? And she died. She didn't get better. 
I remember praying for Vince. We're going to just pray for you. And then like the next day he died. I mean, I like literally could name people like I would go and pray for them and they would get worse. Like they went to the hospital, you know, and I'm like, oh, and then we just kind of like ended out the year with Jetty, my mother-in-law passing away. And that sort of like kills the dream to see people healed, if you know what I mean? Because I was like, God, you didn't show up. So obviously I've missed this one and I'll leave healing to people who have it figured out, which is clearly not me. There was something in me that just died with all of that, with all the disappointment, with all the life circumstances, with my disappointment in the Lord for not showing up. And then I got a call from somebody in the district and they said, we want you to be a speaker at camp this year. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'll do baptism in the Holy Spirit, no problem. I love that. And they said, no, we actually want you to take the night on healing this year. And like, I'm like, <laughs> like, do you know my track record for the last year? Like, are you sure? I mean, like, we might have kids die at camp this year if you have me in charge of the healing night. Like, seriously. And they would not, but I'm like, can I just do baptism in the Holy Spirit? I just like can do that. I can do it on autopilot. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to feel or be in a better place. Like, I can just do that one. I know I'm called to that. That works for me. And they said, no, you, we, we feel strongly that you're supposed to, to speak on healing. And so I called my father-in-law, and I was like, hey, I've got a funny one for you. And he was like, what? And I said, they called me to speak at camp on healing, and I'm just not sure I can do it. And Tom said, I think you should do it. And I was like, why? I don't know why I called you. Why did I call you? I, you were supposed to say... Yeah, that might be a bad idea, actually. It hasn't gone so well for us. Um, but he wasn't on my side. And so I agreed. And you know what? People got healed spiritually and physically. And I was obedient to the Lord. And as I watched things, something was healed in me. And then there was like a little bit of that passion back to say, you know what? I'm called to this. Now, can I just let you in on a little secret? If you're a believer in Jesus, you're called to it too. We're all called to heal the sick. Part of the Great Commission. But there's sometimes when our circumstances sort of make that foggy and we think we'll just leave that up to Greg because clearly he has a way better track record. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's seen cancer go, his eye healed, Josie's kidneys grown back. I mean, they had a great year of healing. So if you want healing, you know, Greg's a man. Uh, and sometimes that's how we do. You know what I'm saying? Am I the only one? You guys are laughing. I think you're laughing because you do the same thing. But when God is calling you to do something, you got to do it. you got to step out and do it. Let's go look at Peter. And we're going to finish up right now in uh, Matthew chapter 14. And this we're, we're pretty much closing here with this. Verse 22. They, they've just fed the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves. And immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up on the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went out over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, fear, I think, is a big uh, factor in not carrying out what the Lord has told us to. And we read this thing about Peter, and, you know, Peter's like, if it's you, call me to come out. So he's got this faith. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this if it's really you. So, you know, what Peter does. He gets out of the boat. He's the only one who got out of the boat. None of the other disciples got out of the boat. And he is walking on the water until he looks around him and becomes scared, and then he starts sinking. And I think there's sometimes when we have those things in our hearts and we say, what if I step out and sink? What if I step out and I fail, and it's not amazing and miraculous and great? And that can be one of the number one killers of our dreams, of fulfilling our dreams, is being afraid of what a failure what if i actually was entrusted with the microphone and preached and it was awful you know like that was my first when when the lord called me to preach or what if they appoint us as pastors and we wreck the whole thing or what if i go to camp and preach on healing and like somebody has to go to the emergency room because they get worse or, or just that nothing happens at all. And there's all these, but what if that happens? And can I say that there are some times that we step out and it just like doesn't go the way it should go. But the fact that you stepped out of the boat, this is what I love. Jesus immediately reached out and picked Peter up. If you've ever seen the Matthew video, this is one of my favorite um, portions of it because Jesus in this thing where they're walking on the water, you know, sometimes we get like the frowny face Jesus who's mad. He's like, oh, you of little faith. How come you did not believe me to walk on the water? It's true. It's true. Okay, in the Matthew video, Jesus is happy and and, and Peter starts sinking and he grabs him and he pulls him up and he's smiling and he kind of laughs and he says, ha ha, you of little faith, why didn't you believe what I said? And you see how that changes your view of the Lord? Like and he was just delighted that, that, that Peter stepped out of the boat and was just, just almost laughing and smiling when he pulls him up. And I think sometimes we just need 
to correct that view in our head of Jesus. Like when we step out in obedience to do what he wants to do, he's always right there. And if we start like looking at it and freaking out and sinking a little bit, he will immediately lift us up, not in anger or disappointment. But it, huh. Oh, you have little faith. Get back up here. You know, you can do this. Doing, doing great things for God. And I'm not, again, I don't want to define this as like, you know, having a come to Jesus meeting in HEB or something. If, although if that's what the Lord wants, that's awesome. Doing what you're called to do is a great thing. It requires action. It requires us to step out of the boat. And you know, one thing that I want to share in our response time because the Lord brought it to my attention and I, and I haven't thought of it in a really long time. Sometimes our original stepping out of the boat to do something might not seem big and it might not seem like walking on water, but it might be powerful and it might be needed. And about 10 years ago, I got a word in the middle of worship that I, I, I came up and shared and it was about this about Jesus walking on water. And I think I even shared the happy Jesus moment about how Jesus pulled you up. And I'm like telling people to step out and do it. Yeah, you know, and then I go and sit down and I'm worshiping. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to follow that word for yourself. Don't you hate when he does that? And I felt the call to repent and reconcile And I remember it's like one of those moments that you feel like you want to throw up again. And the Lord highlighted a person and he said, I want you to go make things right. I want you to go ask for forgiveness. And I want you to love that person. And that's going to be you stepping out of the boat. And so I stood there for a long time. And in the middle of worship, I went back and I pulled this person aside. And I asked for forgiveness. And there was a relationship reconciled that day. It's probably the most, the the single most powerful reconciliation I've ever experienced. And can I tell you that that relationship is one of my most treasured and dearest friendships today. And if I... If I wouldn't have stepped out, I don't know. I don't know what it would have looked like. But because I did, and I saw Jesus powerfully redeem a broken relationship. And you know what? I, I wanted and needed that relationship then. But because I stepped out when I did... Over the past 10 years, the Lord was like, no, you're going to need that relationship. You're going to need that friendship. You're going to need that person. And so you're stepping out of the boat. I felt strongly to share that. I don't know if that's for somebody here. If it is, then take it. I felt strongly to share what, whatever the Lord is calling you to. In the moment, in the future, big picture, small picture, You must do it. Don't rob yourself 
from something that you're going to desperately need in the future. I mean, I look back on that and I am wowed every time that the Lord just, it was like an instant healing. And I know sometimes he doesn't always do that. You can't just go, you know, sometimes we go apologize to people and it's not instant healing. It's like a rough sandpaper relationship from then on. But this one wasn't. But I remember the call from the Lord. He said, you get out, you go, you talk to her, you apologize, you take care of it. And boy, out of everything that I've done in the last 10 years, that's one of the things I'm the most thankful for because I have reaped so many special benefits from that since that time. And so whatever the Lord is calling you to do, whatever is boiling in your spirit, whether it's reconciling a relationship, healing the sick, doing something with your life, I mean, like with your job or whatever it is, I don't want to define it. But what I want to say is, will you take action? Will you step out? Will you put faith to the word that the Lord has given you? You know, in James, it says, don't be just just hearers of the word. You have to do what it says. You can't just listen to the word of God and then not do anything about it. And so will you take what you've heard from the Lord, from his word, from his personal mouth? Will you take his word and be doers of it? Will you say, I'll pray for the sick, whatever. I mean, I don't even care if that's your heart in it, but like, will you do it? Will you step out? Will you be people of action? Will you be brave to say, I will carry out the dream that the Lord is putting in my heart. And I will believe that it's going to be amazing, even if I might sink, even if it's a wreck at first, even if people laugh at me, even if people die when I pray for them to get better first. Whatever it is, will you be sold out to God's word above anybody else and say, this is from the Lord, this is who I am, and this is where I will go, and this is what I will be. So I want you to stand up. And we are going... We're going to have a response time, which, because I'm calling you to action, I'm not going to let you not put action. Uh, Sorry. Not sorry. And uh, so what I'm going to say, we're going to play a song. It's my current favorite. It's called You Make Me Brave. And, um, And I want you to just allow the Lord to touch your heart. Some of you need healing from all of these dream killer things that I shared. Some of you need that to be awakened. Some of you just need to like be healed from the words that people told you about your dream or not believing you. And some of you just need to like be quiet and let, the, let God tell you what's next, what your dream is, what are you called to do. And maybe it's what are you called to do today? You want healing? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to repent? Are you going to make it right? Are you going to reconcile what's been broken? And so I'm going to play the song, even like you guys in the sound booth, you can hit play. And if you guys need to respond, you come on up here too. But I want people, if you have something in your heart, whether it's the healing or whether you're just saying, you know what, this is my year. I'm on board with this. I want to see God do stuff in me, in our church. Then I want you to just come to the front believing, taking the step of faith out, saying, let's do it.
Let's do it. Let's be who we're called to be. Let's do what we're called to do. And let's be people who live dreams and release dreams and empower other people's dreams. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would begin to quicken to our hearts the things that you have have laid inside of us, our passions, our dreams, the things that you have for us to do, whether they're big and great and sometime in the future or whether it's for like right now today. Lord, I pray that you would quicken those things in our spirits. Lord, I know for every person in this place, it's going to be something different. And that is beautiful. It's so beautiful the way you are so personal with each of us. Lord, thank you for releasing power in our hearts and boldness. Lord, I bless everyone in this house with boldness this morning to take a step, to take a stand, to speak the word, to pray the prayer, whatever it is that you're saying to do. Lord, may we be people who live to bring you glory, living out the dreams that you've set before us, whether they're defined by the world as big or whether they're defined by the world as small. Lord, we want to be all in and people of action who are obeying and doing what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can just come forward as you want to.